I'm Jeff Gibson. And I'm Shanna Paxton. And we are the, the Movie, Movie Lovers. Lovers. Welcome. Hello. To the official podcast of the Gibson Review. In every episode, we talk about the weekend review. What movies or TV shows we have watched independently or together since the last episode. And then we will move on to our main event, which is either a main review or topic of discussion before wrapping up with film faves. Our 12 favorite films around a particular topic or from a particular year. In this episode, we have for you in our main event, I should actually have the sound clip from the original movie, <laughs> Creed 2. And what is our film faves in this episode, Shanna? It's different sport movies. Yeah, our favorite sports films. So. It should be a lot of fun. We were hoping to get a special guest for this episode. Unfortunately, friend of the show, Alan, who you may recall from the Fast and Furious episode. He's kind of a go-to guy for Fast and Furious movies and Rocky movies and martial arts movies. Uh, this would have been a perfect episode for him to participate in, but he had a serious medical issue and was not able to participate. So... We hope for the best for your uh, quick recovery, Alan, and we're sorry that you had to miss out. So, but let's get on into the episode itself. Shanna, why don't you kick us off uh, with your week in review? It sounds like you got to watch one of the new releases. Yes, let's get started. I got to watch Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Grindelwald? Yeah, that works for me. We're going to call him Grindy. I'm <laughs> having a hard time with that name. All right. So this is the second film. The, the first one was Fantastic Beasts. And I think and where to, to find, find them. them. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is a, you know, it's the same world as Harry Potter. It's a different time. It's uh, uh, happening in about, like I the guess. the 1930s, yeah? Yeah, 1930s. Because it's yeah. about to approach... Like, First World War has ended, and we're about to get close to starting World War II. Right, but this takes place um, shortly after the first Fantastic Beasts film? I'm not really sure. So here's the thing, guys. It's fun to watch this world. I want to learn more about this world. I don't want to come off as the person that hates anything that J.K. Rowling does in addition to Harry Potter. I want to see more about this world. I'm perfectly happy doing that. Okay. Here's the problem that I have with this film. It is not focused. It is not centered. It does not do anything to build relationships and a strong foundation between characters. Mm. It's kind of all over the place. They're trying to sew many things together to create one film. You, You know, and they keep throwing around names as if we are supposed to connect the dots. And by nature, humans want to connect the dots. So it's very difficult because you you, you come out of the film and you're like, I wonder if this person's related to this person. I wonder who we saw in that classroom. Da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. The best part about this film is Newt and and seeing Dumbledore. Those are the two best things, I feel, about this film. The special effects are special, but they're not taking it to another level. Okay. There is one interesting animal that does beautiful things with how magically charming it is. 
it lights up. It's kind of like a New Year's dragon. Okay. Uh, Chinese New Year's dragon. And I just feel like they need to take a breath and get focused because there's too many things happening at once. Some characters, I feel like, they, like why are we seeing this? It almost feels like a, t- a chaotic TV show. Does that make sense? Mm. So... So, first of all, I'm going to take a step back and ask, are you a fan of the original Harry Potter series? Yes. Okay. Were you a fan of the previous Fantastic Beasts film? I thought it was sweet. Okay. Is that a yes? Yes, I suppose. Uh, Do you feel like the Fantastic Beasts series is as, as good or as interesting as the Harry Potter series? So far, no. No. Okay. And I think it's because there's this lack of clarity and focus. Interesting. So it sounds like, from what you're saying, this latest film is not uh, is unfocused. Is, does it has too much going on in it? it? Has too much going on. It doesn't take its time with developing characters. Mm. And so you and don't so, really care about the characters. Well, yeah, and things move too quickly because they're trying to shove in a lot of things, a lot of elements, that when a character changes on a dime. It doesn't make sense Uh. and it should it should make sense we should be empathizing with that character being drawn to that side you know so that side like the dark side okay yeah do you recommend this film and are you looking forward to the rest of the other three more movies that are coming out in the next nine eight six years i think so as i said i'm very interested in this world Uh uh-huh you like the wizarding world interesting things that happen Uh uh-huh but i I don't really recommend this film if people are not sure if they should look at these, if they should view these films. Mm-hmm. If you're like unsure, just don't do it. Yeah. It's, there isn't really enough good outweighing the bad. That's a shame. And I felt the same way about you know other fantasy prequel series that we've seen in the past, the Star Wars prequels, The Hobbit, and this seems like just another in a long line of these uh, fantasy series that brought in admittedly a lot of cash and did really well but apparently we didn't do we don't really need to see what happened before um that's unfortunate so did you see anything else no not by myself i have started two new shows and i'll let you know how that goes when i'm finished with them okay fair enough I have a few things I'm going to try to get through as quickly as possible here. First of all, I caught up with a couple 2017 movies. You know, you notice in the past couple episodes, we've been still actually catching up with some 2017 movies that we missed last year. I did the same. I saw a crime film called Wind River, uh, which is available to stream on Netflix. I think you can rent it on Amazon. It stars Jeremy Renner and Elizabeth Olsen primarily. Oh. Yes, a very good cast, and it has some really good Native people cast members as well. It takes place in Wyoming, I believe. Jeremy Renner is a guy who works for, is it the Parks Department? It's one of the departments that basically makes it so his job is to know the land really well. Mm-hmm. And uh, he actually... Uh, he actually hunts, too, for that department. Any animals that are predators are causing problems in the area, his job is to snipe them, basically, like coyotes and such. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, he, he comes across a, a dead woman in the middle of the snow 
<laughs> and the circumstances around that death, how she, you know, she's barefoot, how did she get there, where did she come from, what led her to be running in the snow uh, in the first place, all of that uh, brings in the FBI. Elizabeth Olsen, Olsen plays an FBI agent, and they work together essentially to hunt down the men or people responsible. This is probably the best mystery or crime film that you didn't see in 2017. Shannon, I actually think you would really enjoy this film. If I remember correctly, it's uh, directed by Taylor Sheridan, who has written several films. Uh, I believe one of them was Hell or High Water, which we saw was another crime film that had Chris Pine, Chris Pine a couple years ago and Jeff Bridges, if you recall that. This is a really, really solid film. This is his second film I, that he's directed. I haven't seen his other ones, but he is the writer of Sicario and Hell or High Water, and he wrote uh, Wind River. Uh, this is a really fine film. I highly recommend checking it out. It would probably just be outside my best of the year list, but is uh, definitely one of the best crime films you'll find from last year. Mm. Uh, so that is Wind River. Next, I saw from 2017, The Hero, which stars Sam Elliott. Uh, very interesting. Sam Elliott plays an actor who's known for his mustache and his deep, gravelly voice. Mm -hmm. uh, he is, of course, aging actor. And, you know, he's kind of wrestling with... The, the end of his life he's in his twilight years what sort of regrets he has he's best known for a particular western role as well as his iconic mustache and voice he does a lot of uh, voice work for commercials very similar to the real Sam Elliott's life and career right well I was gonna say is this a, a documentary <laughs> right no but um it is very well cast. It's perfect for Sam Elliott. It's almost like it's written for Sam Elliott. And it was, it was a pretty good film. I think Sam Elliott is the best part of it. You watch it. It feels like it was meant to be a Sam Elliott vehicle that, like, was really going to get him a lot of attention that year, you know? Not that he's not very well known already or anything, but, you know, one of those later career roles, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think it just missed the mark or just was off of uh, most people's radar. Mm -hmm. But it is definitely worth checking out, you know? He gives fine performance. His Christian Ritter from uh, the Marvel series Jessica Jones plays his oh. daughter, who's kind of... Cool. You know, they don't have the best relationship, and he wants to make amends for that, but, you know, she's really um, hurt and bitter about it. So she plays a role in it. But also, Laura Prepon, who I know from that 70s show, and I guess her career was kind of kept chugging along thanks to the Netflix series Orange is the New Black. I guess she's been in that. Mm -hmm. She makes an appearance. Uh, she's kind of like uh, the co-star of the film. And Nick Offerman from Parks and Rec is in it. He plays Sam Elliott's, or uh, his character's buddy. Hangs out, they smoke weed or whatever, watch movies together. Uh, all good performances. Catherine Ross, who is actually Sam Elliott's real wife, plays 
the his character's ex-wife hmm. uh, named Val. So I recommend The Hero. It's not a great film, but it is definitely a good film. And if you're interested in a good Sam Elliott performance, uh, the, he the Hero is going to give you that for sure. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Two more movies. I saw one of this year's documentaries, Quincy, about Quincy Jones, which is available to stream on Netflix. This is actually, you know, we recently talked about Whitney and one other documentary I think we've seen about uh, a personality. It was Lady Gaga's documentary. Oh, yes, yes. This is easily the best documentary I've seen so far uh, because what it does is, you know, the, first of all, it's, it's co-written and directed by Rashida Jones, which most people know from such shows as Parks and Rec. She's kind of made a name for herself on her own, but she is one of Quincy Jones' many daughters. Uh, I think he had six daughters and one son, if I remember correctly. But what it does is it um, documents, like, 2013 I think on um, his quote-unquote present day and balances between um, that and his, each decade of his past you know of his career where his, where his beginnings are and, mm -hmm. and how he got his start and who gave him his start and then who he first gave a start by the way Leslie Gore it's my party I cry if I want to that song he mm -hmm. gave Leslie Gore the, a shot right if you are not familiar, Quincy Jones is probably the the one person you gotta get get familiar with if you like music at all. He's up there with Barry Gordy in terms of like legend, most legendary pro, uh, producers of all time in music history. So many people got um, have a career because of Quincy Jones. He also went on and did some film scores, like the Austin Powers film score. He's done a lot of humanitarian work, um, including some work in South Africa. It's just a fascinating history, a fascinating dude. The guy has lived through a brain aneurysm, a stroke, and a diabetic coma, and he's still trucking wow. in his late 80s. The guy doesn't stop. It's definitely a very, very respectable career to, to learn about. And, of course, I grew up... With Quincy Jones, you know, having produced Michael Jackson's albums and, you know, stuff like that. And I've actually seen Quincy in person, too, mm -hmm. a long time ago. So I have a, a love and respect for him, and uh, it's cool to learn more about him through this documentary, which I recommend through Netflix. Lastly, I saw a film called The Land of Steady Habits, which... I believe it is the latest film by Nicole Hall of Center. Now, Shannon, we've talked about Nicole Hall of Center a few times in our podcast. And she's the director of such films as Friends with Money and Enough Said. And uh, uh, Lovely and Amazing, which you were a fan of. Mm -hmm. Usually she's doing stories that are about people of upper class and the, and the and the human relationships or lack thereof that they have, more or less, right? Uh, this is a film that stars Ben Mendelsohn, this guy who just went through a divorce. He His character divorces the actress from Nurse Jackie. What's her name? Edie Falco. 
he just uh, they just went through a divorce. He apparently felt suffocated by his life, kind of a midlife crisis sort of thing. He was a very wealthy, if I remember correctly, like he's either an investments guy or um, a day trader or something. He left that life behind him because he felt that it was becoming too, too superficial, too much about material things and not what matters. And he wanted to leave it all behind to find happiness, and he finds that he's not necessarily happy. There's a lot of characters that kind of circle around his character. The Land of Steady Habits is an interesting and it's 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 fine film. Nicole Sol- Hall of Center, as far as I can tell, she hasn't made a bad film of all the movies I've seen of hers. But I wouldn't say this is one of her best. I also wouldn't say this is one of my favorites uh, of her films. If you're a fan, definitely check it out. If you're a fan of Ben Mendelsohn and you want to see him do something other than Star Wars or some other franchise film, then um, I recommend checking this out because he, he's very human here and he's very kind of normal, so to speak, kind of real. It's worth checking out for, for his performance and for Nicole's work alone, but it's one of those movies that, you know, is fine. It's good. It's not great. It's not one of her best. So that's The Land of Steady Habits, which is available on Netflix. Deep breath. Whew. Wow. <laughs> so that's, That was a lot of film watching you got to do. Yes. And that's Very just exciting. the stuff I got to see alone since the last episode. Now, you and I have seen a couple of things, haven't we? Yes, so the first one we'll talk about is The Spy Who Dumped Me, starring Mila Kunis and Kate McKinnon. Which I love! Yeah, and you also, also, yes, we are. Yes. (laughs) We've got Justin Thoreau Mm -hmm. as one of the love interests, and we've got Sam, oh, how am I going to say that name? Is it Sam Hogan? Hugan? Yeah, sure. Uh, Guys, it's the guy from Outlander. Sexy, sexy beast. Justin Thoreau plays the actual spy who dumped me. Yes. Not me, but yes. me, uh, Mila Kunis is dumped. <clears throat> so this is a fun film. It's not as good as Spy, I feel. The film is... By a long shot, yeah, by I a f- mile. I feel like Spy, if you compare these two, Spy is like almost flawless. So <laughs> I do And way have... more fun. Way funnier. Yes. Uh, there was not a lot of comedy happening in this film. It was kind of just bizarre and like, there's no way they... They're their bodies could handle that kind of beating or uh, it was jarring challenge right? because it's meant to be a fun kind of light comedy action film mm-hmm. and then it would like go hard on the on the actual action on deaths yeah. and stuff like there'd be some like jarring gory death that would happen out of nowhere and it would be and really like whoa shocking. holy shit <laughs> yeah, yeah so i feel like this film kind of fell flat i wanted to like mm-hmm. it because who wouldn't like a film with kate mckinnon and mila kunis right with yeah a sprinkle of sam hugan however you spell his name i'm not familiar with him but you tell me that mila kunis and kate mckinnon are in a film together I'm on board. I was. We talked about this in our summer movie preview. Uh, we were looking forward to it of all the August releases, and mm-hmm. it, it is a it is a disappointment. It, it's just very flatlining. Yes. You know. It was Not, very upsetting. Yeah, that's a that's a bummer. So if you're sick and you don't you know want to think too hard, go ahead and rent this. I wouldn't recommend it myself. Okay. I I think it's a disappointment overall. 
You have to be a hardcore Mila Kunis and Kate McKinnon fan to really spend the time going through it. I yeah, it's 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 yeah. Don't recommend the Spy Who Dumped Me, unfortunately. Next, we caught up with another release from around that same time, if I remember correctly. Spike Lee's latest film, Black Klansman, which I think we were trying to catch up catch up with in the theaters, but it was around that time that we were struggling with movie pass and we and our work schedule and we just weren't able to do it. We're still struggling with movie pass. <laughs> That's a whole other thing. Yes. Oh my god. It hasn't gotten better. But Black Klansman is about the the true story. It takes takes place in the seventies, I think. Is it Colorado? Colorado it's Springs? in Colorado, yeah. Yeah. About an African-American police officer, I think the only one in Colorado Springs, who successfully manages to infiltrate the local Ku Klux Klan branch with the help of a Jewish surrogate who eventually becomes its leader. And that is, according to IMDb. Based on actual events. Right. This crazy shit happened. Right. So this film stars... Adam Driver, John David Washington, who is Denzel Washington's son, in case you're interested, uh, Laura Harrier, Topher Grace, oh, Michael Buscemi, who is Steve Buscemi's uh, brother, by the way, and a few others. Oh, Alec Baldwin. The movie starts off with Alec Baldwin as uh, a guy named Dr. Kenneth Brew Beauregard. Just, I have no idea who that guy is, but it was a really, you don't see him again in the film. It was a very interesting way to open the film. Shannon, what did you think of Black Klansmen? Uh, I'm, I'm especially interested, being a South African, learning a little bit more and more about African-American history. We talked about Malcolm X in uh, episode 39 as one of your favorite films from that year, and I think um, maybe a previous episode. Uh, how does Black Klansmen fit in the puzzle for you? Whew, what a ride. Mm. <laughs> this was a really great film I really like this film it, it started off with something very shocking and uncomfortable and something that felt very similar to what's going on right now and it ended with a shocking conclusion mm. so it Spike Lee has this wonderful way about him where he doesn't forget the reality of a situation he doesn't let and you forget. Doesn't that. let us forget yeah. it. And I think that that's a really wonderful gift with filmmaking. And so that was really important. I thought everyone's performances was amazing. Uh, who was the uh, national clan leader? You mean David Duke? Yeah, from that 70s yeah. show, right? That was Topher Grace, yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I really loved all the performances. I really loved all the actors. Mm-hmm. I still don't know very much about African-American history, mm -hmm. and I feel like this helps fill in at least a gap or two with who the KKK were. I mean, my only exposure to it is A Time to Kill and Django Unchained. So both Hollywood films, right? Yeah. and that's my only exposure so far to that group. Uh-huh, right. So somehow in my mind, I thought... You know, that the KKK were just about white people and it doesn't matter. Well, it turns out they're not really into Jews either. So I found that right. interesting. Because uh, National Socialist Party 
are their are their heroes basically Hitler mm-hmm. is a hero of theirs even though they predate Hitler's reign mm-hmm. by a lot <laughs> they see him modern uh, KKK members or neo-nazis see him as a hero so I don't really know exactly what to say other than you have to go see this film because I don't want to spoil anything I think that there's horribly shocking moments that happen in this film I think all the performances are great and I feel like the cinematography is spot on there isn't really much I can fault this film for so I recommend you go watch it I think this is one of Spike Lee's best films and certainly his best film in a very long time that is because it is incredibly relevant. It's taking a story that happened decades ago and, and uh, is about today. It has a lot of meat to chew on. One, one thing that's interesting about the film, and this is a pro or a con, depending on how you take it. The movie very subtly already makes clear that the story is relevant today. You have dialogue in the film about someone like David Duke taking office. You know, about how how these things get embedded in our society is through subtle ways through you know very charismatic ways where people don't even as overtly realize they are uh they are becoming the rulers of the land so to speak right they kind of work their way through government and on their way up do you have a line uh, from david duke himself who talks about making america uh getting america to achieve its greatness again of course, invoking Donald Trump's um, uh, Make America Great Again mantra. You have also police shooting blacks or pulling over blacks in the film, which is very timely. Um, the problem or potential problem of the movie is that it gets very blunt at the end, which uh, I won't say how, but it, it definitely... It doesn't want to let you off with a good feeling at the end. It wants, yeah. it really, really wants to remind you how relevant these issues are today. Yeah, nothing's really resolved. And I think your mileage might vary in terms of how well that clicks with you. But I will say Black Klansman is right now, for me, fighting for the top spot of best film of the year. Mm-hmm. I was very impressed with it, and I think... It's, it's a great film. It really is a great film. So I wouldn't say more, but we do have another movie to talk about, which is similar in some ways, and that is Blind Spotting, which uh, came out a few months ago, just came out uh, available to rent. And this is directed, I think it might be the debut of Carlos Lopez Estrada, co-written and co-starring David Diggs. According to IMDb, Blind Spotting is about a man while on probation, he begins to reevaluate his relationship with his volatile best friend. Man, that is only scratching the surface of what this film is about. The trailer lets you believe that it's about him witnessing a black man being shot uh, uh, while running away from the cops. And you think that that is all it's going to be. Right. You think it's going to involve him as maybe a witness right. uh, to well, some sort do. of court case right. uh, that's going to happen with you know police brutal police shooting uh-huh. uh, inappropriately, and it's instead, not. That's not it either. Instead, it's not right, and it's 
so much better. It's about these things definitely weighing on him. You know, he, he is, as the IMDb mentions, he is three days away from probation being lifted. And it was like the worst three days of your life. <laughs> and it is very much one of those things. Is he going to make it through those three days? Is he going to end up getting arrested? Is he, uh, wrongfully or otherwise, is he going to end up getting shot? you know, uh, at any point in this time. There, that's kind of where the dramatic tension comes from, as well as his own PTSD of what he witnessed and his own internal struggle of what he should do and, and, and how does it affect him. There's a lot. This is a film that surprisingly has a lot also to chew on. It's talking about racial profiling. And it's talking about, I think, a little bit about racial coding as well it has it has to do with our expectations once we see a black person and whether or not those expectations are actually who that person is uh there's so much meat on here that that it dives into uh what what do you think of blind spotting love i really love this film really? it speaks to a lot of fears that a african-american man is going to face mm -hmm. in the climate that we're in today but not just the climate that we're in today like ancestry fears you know it's just this constant state of fear that you have to be in when you're around white people and that uh, specifically police and uh, white policemen and i have no idea what that feels like i am not an african-american but what this film does is it really puts you in his mind it really it's not like shot from his perspective or anything like that it's so much more it it really helps you feel his fear mm -hmm. like when a police car is going past him very slowly and all of a sudden lets off its siren and the light is shining in his face and you can just see he is just absolutely petrified mm -hmm. like I would have wet myself if, if I were him. Mm -hmm. But why the freaking hell should he have to feel that way? I feel like it was important for that, kind of putting you, if you had no idea what it must feel like, here's a good way to show it. But it also shows, you know, there are all these other African Americans who have fallen to police shootings. Mm. And it shows how, you know, this sort of this beautiful visual that reminds him of that. Yeah, it's and, epidemic proportion. Yeah, and it tells us too, because we only hear about it every now and again. And so I really appreciated the film for showing me that. Yeah, I mean, Marjorie Ebert called uh, films essentially empathy machines, and this is definitely a great example of that sentiment. Uh, this film definitely is something that uh, in, in, should invoke dialogue and discussion and very thought-provoking ideas and, and and such. So, you know, this film, this year has been full of racially charged films from with Sorry to Bother You and Black Klansmen and this one, and none of them, thankfully or interestingly, have really dealt with the subject matter in any cheap or interesting ways this definitely adds to that and it is it, it is worth worth uh, checking out as well so uh, that is blind spotting and we also recommend that film okay that will do it for the week in review we had a lot to get through there 
Main review time. Here we go. That's right. It's time for the main event in our review of Creed 2. You got this. You got me? In the ring, you got rules. Outside, you got nothing. Life hits you with all these cheap shots. People like me live in the past. You got people that need you now. You got everything to lose. This guy's got nothing to lose. I ain't got a choice. That's the same thing your father said. And he died right here in my hands. Listen to me, this guy is dangerous. But you don't think I could beat him? I don't want to rewrite history. Don't pretend this is about your father. It may not seem like it now, but this is more than just fight. Now it's from the trailer to Creed 2, the latest film from Creed, which is in itself a spin-off slash sequel of the Rocky series. This film is directed by Stephen Capel Jr., who's a director who's new to me, but is basically, according to IMDb, under the tutelage of Rocky Balboa, light heavyweight contender Adonis Creed faces off against Victor Drago, son of Ivan Drago. Is a name that will mean a lot to many Rocky fans, especially ones who actually watched Rocky IV, which is not known to be one of the better Rocky films, but it was popular in the 80s because there was basically Rocky in, in the Cold War, you know, America versus the Soviet Union is basically what that was. Victor Creed, or not Victor, uh, Ivan Drago representing Russia. Played by Dolph Lundgren, famously. I will break you. <laughs> so when we talk about a film, we like to talk about what we liked about a movie first, and then move on to what we didn't like about a movie, or the bad. And then weigh whether or not the good outweighed the bad, and talk about spoilers and final thoughts. Shanna, why don't you talk a little bit about your experience going into this film? You were greatly resistant to watch any of the Rocky films originally. It wasn't until episode 38, I think, or episode 39, when we actually you actually had seen a Rocky film. Why don't you talk about that, talk about uh, any other movies you have seen, and what you liked about Creed Two in relation to all that. So I was very reluctant to watch this, to start with this franchise until a wedding couple of mine for my photography business had said how much Rocky meant to them and their relationship. And how... At which point you said, you know, my husband highly recommends this. <laughs> I will take you up on that. Well, she he told must be me right. so authentically and in such a loving way what it means to them. And then I was like, huh, I think I'll give it a try. Jeff would love it if I gave it a try. So, uh, we, you know, we did. And eventually we got, you know, I didn't watch all of the, the Rocky films. I did one, two, did I do three? 
No, it was just no. one and two. You saw one, two, and... And then Creed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was good enough for me. I, I saw the, you know, there's that trailer for, I think it's at number four, where... Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're yeah. Fighting. We almost watched number four. And then I saw how stereotypical Cold War nonsense it was, and I was like, you know what, no, I'm good. <laughs> and <laughs> that seeing the trailer was enough for me to make a connection for this film okay. that we just watched. Fair enough. So that's my relationship to it. Out of all four that I've seen, this is my fucking favorite. No I'm kidding. I'm so fucking excited about this film. Okay. I want to go watch it again when freaking MoviePass decides to get up off its ass and let me watch it. So. <laughs> okay. So why Very is it, why is it yeah. your favorite? Um, what what does mm-hmm. it have that the others don't? Or what do you like about the movie? So this film contrasts everything very well. It contrasts and connects mm. different things, very different elements, very well. So it, it makes connections and contrasts between previous sequels. It contrasts and connects, you know, within its own film, and you know, it's between opposing characters. It's between, you know, they'll they'll do similarities or contrasts to Adonis and then Rocky. And uh, it's just very interesting how they take these characters and develop their arcs throughout the movie. So it's, I just, I love that about it uh-huh. so very, very much. But in addition to that, the cinematography in this one yeah. is fucking great. Okay. It's just, I'm so excited about it. Not only have they got this history of previous films in the franchise, but they're, they don't fully rely on that. They're using the cinematography to push the film into the direction to help move the story along very easily, very pleasing to the eye, very aesthetic, aesthetically. And it's, it's just magical to watch, really. You look at how they're using light, you compare how Adonis comes to his first fight with Drago's son, Victor, and you compare it to the second fight. And it's just this lovely contrast of how, you know, he has his family as a unit, how he, you know, has had a special training afterwards in between the fights. And it's just really awesome that they take not only the lighting, not only the coloring, but they're taking the environment and they're taking textiles to help to help show unity and also symbolic ways of revealing more about the story, revealing more about characters. It's worth noting real quickly, the cinematographer for this film is Kramer Morgenthau, who is known for such films as Thor, The Dark World, and Terminator Genesis. Well, that's interesting. I haven't seen Terminator Genesis. Um, You can also tell with this film that people who are helping create it love the franchise. They love the world of Rocky. And when you see that coming through in a film, then you love it so much more naturally. You know, the creators could be cheesy about doing callbacks to, and certain references, but they don't. They stay subtle with everything. They stick to, you know, movie-making brilliance techniques, and <laughs> that's how they make references to previous, previous movies. And I feel like... If you took this team and you made them love another franchise, they would be able to reboot something, 
in a really spectacular way. I love how the film shows what it takes to do participate in the boxing sport. And it's also interesting to look at Rocky One and then Creed Two and see how the sport has changed mm. towards uh, the public. And, you know, as someone as unathletic as me, <laughs> I am just so shocked and also marveled all at the same time when they go through training as they're having a match on the stage. It's... It's, it's going to be a huge factor for me in revealing my sports movies at the end is does the movie actually show what the actual sport is like? Ah. Does it show all the techniques that one has to go through? Does it show what it's like to be an athlete going through personal growth within their passion mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. well? And that's what this film does really well. I want to mention, lastly, there's this really great technique. They really push their camera angles a bit where Victor is coming to Adonis and he's just pummeling him. Well, he must have been pummeling a cushioned camera because the camera jostles and like oh. as if we are Adonis. Mm. So I really like that, but it doesn't go back to that. It's just they do that once oh. and then that's it. They just want to show you very briefly. They don't want to knock you over the head with, you know, how you should feel like Adonis. They're using different film techniques to make put you in Adonis's shoes. So I really recommend this film. What did you think? I'll take a step back and reiterate that I am somewhat a fan of the Rocky series, but I'm not a fanatic. I have seen all but Rocky 4 and 5. Almost went so far as to watch Rocky 4 just to prep for this film. Ended up not having the time and... The trailer gives you an, an, the gist of what you need to know to watch Creed 2. Uh, why not 4 and 5? Because I've seen Rocky 2 through 3, could see that there was a degree of diminishing returns, and the reputation of 4 and 5 is that they continue that trend, and 5 is the bottom of the barrel. But I have seen Rocky Balboa. And I saw Creed. Creed was one of my favorite movies of 2015, I think it was. One of the most rousing films uh, I have seen in, a, you know, like in recent history. And it, it, it also exceeded expectations. Now, Creed 2. I like Creed 2, but I don't think I like it as much as you. I'll get into why later. But I thought that... There is a degree of more of what you liked before in this film. They don't do anything to change the characters, you know, drastically or anything like that to where you feel cheapened or wondering what the hell is going on. I, I experienced a little bit of that with Rocky Three. That's not the case here. It does continue the, the story, it continues honoring the, the what's come before it honors the rest of the series it obviously honors rocky 4 but also you get a little bit of rocky balboa in, in this film and it even already honors its predecessor creed it starts out with a fight that directly references something that we witnessed in the, the previous film and i don't mean the final fight in in creed so it's an enjoyable film. It's not in any way a bad film. It's very good. 
It's notable. It's worth noting that this is co-written by Sylvester Stallone, who wrote most of the series before. I should also correct myself. I think it was in episode 39 when we talked about the original Rocky film. I accidentally credited it as being directed by Sylvester Stallone. It's actually uh, directed by Roger Avelton, who actually went on to, interestingly enough, direct Rocky 4 and 5, as well as a few other sports uh, movies, too. But uh, So I wanted to throw that out there. It wasn't until Rocky 2 that Stallone actually wrote and directed. Oh, I get that mixed up in my mind, and mm -hmm. it's worth noting. So I really like Creed 2. I didn't love Creed 2. And I'll get into why in a moment. Shanna, was there anything about Creed 2 you didn't like? I cannot recall feeling anything negative. I feel very happy with this film. So I don't really have anything to contribute. Perhaps I'll think of something in the spoiler section. But as it stands, I can't think of anything. Wasn't anything you... that didn't work for you? Maybe in the spoiler section, but not okay. right now. So... I think the main reason why uh, I don't love Creed 2 is because for me, it is the Rocky 2 of Creed. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is it does follow the similar templates and it ends up qualitatively being just not as good as the previous one. So you have some of the same beats that you get in Creed's personal life that you got in Rocky's personal life happen in this film, which is interesting. It mirrors that. But also, not only do like there, is there something about how the fights are directed aren't quite as kinetic or as rousing as how the fights were directed by Ryan Coogler in the previous film. Hmm. Um, I mean, that movie like really wanted me to get out of my seat and cheer. Not quite as much with this one, but maybe also because there is some. There's, it's a little more complicated regarding how my regarding my feelings of of uh, Adonis's opponent, which I can get into a little bit in spoilers. It's probably one of the only things I can talk about in spoilers, but I do wish that related to that. I do wish that while it's great seeing Dolph Lundgren in, in this film, to see Dolph Lundgren do something other than B-movie action stuff is delightful. I, I really, like, the guy's a smart guy, and I never thought he ever got an opportunity to do much in film that actually, like, really met his intelligence, you know? I mean, the guy's like a, like a scientist, you know? But... It's really kind of great to see him in this film get back into the Drago character and as, as his father. I wish, though, that we got to see a little bit more about his son. And, and I feel like some of his son's motivation, you, you, I feel like you, got, you start to see some of his motivation and where it's going to go. And it goes nowhere with it. Yes, I remember you talking <clears throat> about this issue. And that's that's um, part of my my biggest uh, issue with the movie is we've come a long way since 1985, right? Mm -hmm. We're less xenophobic than we were back then. 
Are we? And I, I, I think I think so. I think generally we recognize that people from all over the world are people who have complex thoughts and emotions and motivations. And it's not, and I think we kind of expect to see that reflected. And I didn't I don't think I necessarily saw that reflected in this film. So that's my biggest thing. But do, do, do the positives outweigh the negatives? Yes. However, I would give the film probably like a 7 out of 10 um, as a result. Hmm. How about you? I was going to say 9. No kidding. Okay. Yeah. I, I just, I really Almost a perfect in, film. I really fell in love with this film. Very good. Very good. Yeah. For the record, since you said your preference in the overall series, I will say for me that Creed just barely edges out the original Rocky film for me. They're like neck and neck and then rocky 2 or rocky balboa are probably like next to that and creed 2 follows behind with rocky 3 being the worst one of the ones i've seen it gets a little silly at any rate shall we go into spoilers and wrap yes, this up let's do that all right so from this point on if you have not seen creed 2 and you want to skip ahead to film faves on the timestamps, because now we're going to get into spoilers for Creed 2. Shannon, why don't I go first? <laughs> yes, go for it. <clears throat> Share all your feelings. So, dovetailing on top of my issues with Dragos and not being very well developed. Enough. I feel like at the end, the final battle, there is a, oh, a final battle, the final match. There is a sense that there's a lot of pride and there's a lot of shame that can come on their end from being defeated. And I started to empathize with Victor, especially due to certain scenes, especially due to certain scenes that we get throughout the film that follows Victor and Ivan, you know, and their training and a dinner table scene uh, that I didn't fully understand or appreciate i found it was partially because i haven't seen rocky 4 is like the one scene in the film that I was like oh well maybe if i've seen rocky 4 i'd fully get this but it actually brings back bridget nielsen who apparently played ivan's wife in the original film who has since who immediately left ivan apparently after rocky 4 um his defeat in that, in that film and her son and and her son which is interesting so there's, there's all this stuff that kind of starts to build empathy. And you realize that they're not these one-no-evil guys. So when it comes close to Victor being defeated and you start to see that certain characters are abandoning them or, you know, things like that, I started to actually, like, worry about what's going to happen to them what does this mean to them you know especially with victor who his entire life you know it seems like he has been trained for this match you know like for this moment to redeem his father right and his father ultimately is telling him it's okay <laughs> it's okay if he lost the match you know it's okay that he had to toss in the towel like that 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 seems um, psychologically jarring and emotionally jarring mm. right and 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 that's the last we see of them we don't 
we don't see anything else. And so well, it left me kind of wanting But we do a see little. them again. We see them training together afterwards at the end of the film. Is that what you mean? That we don't see do them we? again? Do we? Victor yeah. and Ivan? Yeah, instead of Ivan being so iron-fisted about his training, he's training with him. And he, they're going for a run together. Mm. And it's more connected as opposed to in the beginning when he's in the truck and telling him to go faster and, like, scolding him. Did you find that to be satisfying? Yes. I, it's not Ivan's and Victor's story, but they are part of it. Uh-huh. I think, you know, in Creed 1, Adonis, we see, obviously, a lot of his perspective we, and his story. We see Rocky's story, and we see a tiny bit of his opponent's story, just a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. Very, very little. We, right. Like, he does look like the stereotypically bad guy, you know, that's trying to have a retirement match. Yeah, that's the thing. His trainer is really the guy that builds the um, empathy and understanding of, mm. hey, I'm trying to get you something here to, that, that'll let allow you to have a good life and your children to have a good life yeah. after you're not physically able to do this anymore. Well, and then if you think about it in... With regards to Creed 2, you see a hell of a lot more with Ivan and Victor. Mm. You even see a fam, a sort of homecoming dinner. Yes, that's the know? scene I was talking about before. And you, you see how, I, I want to say culturally, but maybe that perhaps that is insensitive. Different cultures, different attitudes, right? It's not necessarily... That's my assumption. It's not really bad or good or anything like that. It's just it's different to what we're used to. Mm-hmm. But in addition to that, you've got a second layer where obviously Ivan and Victor lost everything and they had to make ends meet as best they could. Mm-hmm. And then you see the ex-wife, the mother, got everything. Yep. You know, and not necessarily from true. from Ivan. But, but you learn so much more. You really do see what Rocky was talking about. He talks about how... Adonis, you came from a very loving family. Right. And and Victor did not. Mm. You guys are different. Mm. And that was true. And I felt like they gave us enough information from a sort of cultural perspective, but also uh, from a cinemagraphic perspective. A visual perspective. Yeah, to allow <coughs> us to know enough about Victor. Mm-hmm. And yeah, maybe if we did watch you know, the other film that has Ivan maybe we would even pick up on even more. But, maybe. But gathering from what I do know, mm-hmm. I, I was satisfied with the ending with the two of them just running next to each other. Okay. I, I, we definitely saw the same movie. I, I perceived a lot of what you just explained, but yeah, I was still left wanting in the end. And that's probably <clears throat> why you enjoyed the film uh, more than me. That's my main thing spoilery worth worth discussing you know there's other things that we don't have to it doesn't serve much of a discussion but it's really kind of cool to see how the previous films are referenced you know the whole thing with the mustang from uh creed you know Mm -hmm. that match it took me a while to click on that but then when i did i was like oh my god that's exciting right yeah (laughs) and you wouldn't have known this because you haven't seen rocky balboa but i have Rocky's son uh, factor in um, and kind of put a neat little bow on on this one thing that was missing from Creed was kind of nice uh, as well it's it's 
I got the sense that this was the end of Stallone's involvement. You know, if they make more Creed films... It's possible he's just going to be way, way, way on the side. I feel like they would nod at him. If at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's... uh, This is the end of the road for Rocky Balboa. And in a a different way than we expected in in Creed 1. So... I prefer this way. This way is just dandy. Yeah. Yeah. But, again, things like that make me, you know, add to my enjoyment of the film. And I did enjoy the film. Just not, not quite as much as you. So I'm glad that you loved it. I'm glad that you saw these films. Yes. Thank you, Amanda and Jason. Ah. <laughs> and to some extent, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what did you think of Creed 2, though? Let us know. Email us at thegibsonreview at gmail.com. That'll do it for our review of Creed 2. Let's move on to Film Faves. Film Faves is inspired by a segment of the Gibson Review. We have now actually exceeded the segment of the Gibson uh, on the Gibson Review, the old Film Faves articles, as a matter of fact, because we just finished the 90s, and I never got around to being able to do that in the original articles. Yay! But basically... The idea is to count down our 12 favorite films around a particular topic, often marching backwards year by year through time. The idea is to not only allow you to get to know us through film and what our tastes are, but also hopefully expose you to something that maybe you haven't seen before. Now to that extent, we try to point you in the direction of where these films are available to stream when they are. Most films, unfortunately, surprisingly, are not available to stream as much as you uh, think. We focus on primarily Amazon Prime, HBO Now, Hulu, and Netflix. Typically, we march backwards through time year by year, but we also take some detours here and there on uh, some themes for the list. And as a matter of fact, we will be on vacation from the year-by-year countdown until sometime next year. This episode, we are focusing on sports films. We've never really talked about our favorite sports films before, and Creed 2 definitely lends that uh, as a great opportunity to do so. Jenna, why don't you talk to us a little bit about your experience with sports films and creating uh, this list. Uh, any challenges, hurdles, or criteria you um, you went about? Sport films are not my favorite films. They're not my favorite genre. But there are some absolute loves that come out of this list. And what's helping me decide whether it goes on the list or not is... Does it show me something I didn't know about that sport? Does it show me what it takes to do that sport? Does it also have some heart to it? And some of them, most of these films do, but uh, now that I'm looking at my list, there's maybe one or two that kind of miss, mm. miss that, but make up for it with cool camera angles or something oh, like that. Interesting, interesting. For my part, <laughs> I, there is a really great Wikipedia article that I found where I outline every single movie ever made f- from sport to sport, right? Every sport out there. And actually, you know, maybe actually that isn't a complete list, but I realized one of my picks actually wasn't on that list, and I'll get to that in a minute. But I started writing out, okay, this will be a short list, right? I'll just write out every single sports film I've ever seen. Well, it turned out I've seen over 100 sports films. 
it's very interesting. 22 different sports were uh, represented in all the films that I have seen, right? I've seen mostly, interestingly enough, 21 baseball films, 12 boxing films, 11 football films, American football films, 9 car racing films, 9 martial arts films, 8 basketball films, 5 golf films, 3 soccer films, track and tennis films. There's a golf film? Yeah, they kind of hit every... Just about every sport. It's a it's a lot. I don't have any curling films I've seen, you know, for example. But at any rate, and I don't even think that gets into like ice skating or anything like that. I think those are less than three. Um, but those are the films that those are the sports I've seen the most films of, right? So try to pare all that down. It was interesting because actually it wasn't very difficult to at least whittle it down to twenty four films that I actually really liked, and then. From there, whittling it down to 12 films that I could actually call my favorites. I tried to represent everyone as, as many of these sports as possible, but I ended up with a couple movies, a couple sports where I had to have like two movies that represent that sport. Um, I just couldn't not do it. Um, and then it was just a matter of, you know, given the choice, which movies would I rather see? And, and that kind of lends to what I loved the most as my favorites but it was a fun exercise i've never even thought of this before and now sports isn't as bad as western or war for you Mm -hmm. it's not one of my favorite genres but i also understand that typically a sports film is not so much about the sport right it's about what the sport represents or what the challenge of the training or whatever can represent right you know the underdog the the overcoming challenges in life, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. So I always have that understanding. Or maybe there's some historical importance, too. So with that, Shanna, why don't you start us off with your number 12 favorite sports film? My number 12 is Rocky, featuring ah, boxing. <laughs> so it turns out this is not only the making of a boxing champ, Mm-hmm. Someone who wants to take back, so, you know, earn self-respect and prove to himself and others that he's more than what they think he is. Mm-hmm. Very uh, well said. It's also a love story, too. Yep. A very sweet love story. That is very well said. Well, yes, there we go. What's your number 12? Uh, my number 12 is The Wrestler, directed by Darren Aronofsky. I have never seen that. Oh, man, you should, man. I, I, it's been a long time since I've seen it. It's, it's actually 10 years old now. Uh, it came out in 2008. Mm. It starred Mickey Rourke. It was supposed to signal a comeback of sorts for Mickey Rourke. That basically yes. just resulted in Iron Man 2 and not much else, unfortunately. But uh, he's great in this film. Evan Rachel Wood plays his estranged daughter. She's great in this film. Marissa Tomei is a love interest of sorts who's actually a 40 something stripper she's great in this film there is actually visual homages to rocky i realize at the near the end of this film to the end of rocky i find that interesting but this is one of my favorite daronofsky films and it probably because it it depicts really well the physical challenges that wrestlers go through in maintaining and and performing 
and the different tricks they they come up with to make things look really brutal and such. Mm-hmm. It's it's a really fine drama, uh, uh, dramatic story, and it was definitely one of the best of the year with one of the best performances of its year. And I think it's the only wrestling film that made my list or even really occurred to me. A close second to this might be Win-Win, but I haven't seen that in a long time either. Hmm. So, The Wrestler made my squeaked on into my list from 2008. My number 11 is Bring It On. Let's poke around in this world of competitive cheerleading. I never thought that cheerleading would be competitive. In fact, I was never exposed to cheerleading. It's not a thing that South African schools do Hmm. unless something has changed in the last few years. Hmm. So this was the only exposure I could really get to it, and it was kind of cool seeing all the jumps and the flying. Uh, That's always attractive to me. It was a fun look at that sport. It's very light. It doesn't show anything really extreme happening. Mm. So maybe they could have taken that a little further. And another reason that this is on my list is because of the cast. You've got Kristen Dunst. You've got Eliza Dushku. You've got Jesse Bradford. And, of course, Gabrielle Union Mm. and uh, Claire Kramer, who... Ah, I love Claire Kramer. ...comes to ECC. Not... Not my favorite in this movie, but no, I love her. But I love seeing in her on stage. And, yes, yes. <laughs> Interviewing people like Stan Lee, etc. Yes, she's yeah. a great person. So that's why it's on my, my list. Very cool. I, you know, there's some movies when I was creating this list that was like, okay, do I count this XYZ as an actual sport or a competition or a game? Such movies like The Hustler didn't make my list because I don't count billiards as a sport rather a game and cheerleading i count as a competition oh do you yes i know i'm going to get some heat i know and i'm sorry it is a sport it forces you to jump in the air or throw someone in the air it is a sport i hear you (laughs) it requires the body's full range of movement i would say it is a competition but but so i didn't include it on mine I'm glad that you included on yours. My next film that made my list is Caddyshack. Oh, so that can be on your list. Because it's golfing. Golfing's a sport. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. So this is probably, you know, there's not a lot to draw from in terms of golf. (laughs) And a lot of people would consider Caddyshack to be the crown jewel. With such cast members as Chevy Chase and Bill Murray, it's really hard to argue against that. And, of course, Rodney Dangerfield's it? in it, too. I know. You absolutely <laughs> I hated Caddyshack. I hear you. But I am still charmed by it. I grew up loving the gopher in the film. The gopher is hilarious. And his antics with Bill Murray. Some of the best parts of that movie is because of Bill Murray and the gopher. It's iconic. It is considered one of the greatest comedy uh, American comedies of all time. I get it. I understand why. I don't love it, but I do like it enough for it to just make my list at number 11. My number 10 is Chariots of Fire. This was my first. Really? Well, uh, it's got um, sentimental reasons. Well, tell us about that. This is a running film, athletes, track, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, however you want to look at it. 
And this was the very first film that I got to watch during film study in English in high school. So it was very exciting. And the reason it's on my list is mostly because of the score. Okay. It's a very important score. It's by Colin Whelan. And I just, I love it. And sometimes I am unsure of what's going on. <laughs> but that's probably because I watched it when I was younger. Have you haven't seen it had, since? I haven't had a chance to watch it again. Oh, okay. But I did like that it was my introduction to studying films oh. because I thought it was a really good building block. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, it stars Ben Cross, Ian Charleston, and Nicholas Farrell. Yeah, that score is probably the best thing about that film. But Probably. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I finally got around to seeing this iconic film and, and just wasn't... I wasn't a fan as much as I wanted it to be. But... Um, I get I get the sentimental uh, value of it for you. My next film is Rocky, the original with Sylvester Stallone. This is not a movie I am absolutely in love with, but boy, I, it's really hard to be dismissive of what is perhaps Sylvester Stallone's best performance, uh, that side of Copland. And, and Creed, honestly, his performance in Creed. I, I just love his, his Rocky Balboa. He's just such a great, kind, sweet, gentle, loving uh, character, you know? He's a really good person. He's such a good guy, you know? I mean, like, I, I can't remember if it's in the original Rocky or not, but, like, you know, how many times he goes back to his corner on the ring and he's like, He's really angry at me, you know? <laughs> you know? It's like, it's just so affable. It's like, he has no grudges. Yeah. You know, he's, he's not just... doing anything personally. It's just, right. it is a sport to him. Right. He has zero <laughs> attitude, zero ego, you know? He's a, he's a guy who's just trying to, at the end of the day, he's just trying to make it through the end of the day, you know? Um, and live a good life and, and provide and you know he really loves adrian it's it's really interesting watching his relationship develop with adrian you know this mousy little girl that no one ever wanted to pay attention to who gets i don't want to say overlorded but you know, borderline abused by verbally by her brother who's pals with rocky you know i don't know there's just so much sweetness in the film and it's a really cool fight. Apollo Creed's one of the best opponents in boxing film history. What more can I say about Rocky, really, that I haven't already said? Um, so that's one of my that's my tenth favorite sports film. My number nine is Remember the Titans. Really, a true story of a newly appointed African American coach and his high school team on their first season as a racially integrated unit. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, Disney film, too. Mm -hmm. And I love this film, especially for not only the storyline, but uh, its cast. You've got Denzel Washington, which is like Swoon. You've got Will Patton, Wood Harris, Ryan Hurst, Donald Faison, Craig Kirkwood, Ethan Suppley, Kit Pardue. You've got Hayden Panettiere, and you've got Kate Damn. Bosworth. Wow. So it's quite a cast. Yeah, some young ones in there. Mm -hmm. Very cool, yeah. Probably one of the better live-action Disney modern films, uh, for sure. 
My next film is I, Tonya. Is like my favorite ice skating film. Uh, anchored by a performance by Margot Robbie, who's one of my current favorites mm-hmm. right now in film. One of the most exciting actresses to come from this decade. And this is one of her best performances so far. It, it, it has this rough around the edges aspect, but also like really talented and also a certain degree of victim victimhood as well it's it's like this nuanced balanced uh performance that that she gauges throughout the film with a a, a pinch of tongue in cheek as well very few films from 2017 have wanted have inspired a rewatch uh, as much as i tanya uh from me and i'm i'm hoping soon to be able to scratch that itch I really, really liked I, Tonya. So it's my ninth favorite sports film. My number eight is Space Jam. My first introduction to Michael Jordan. What? <laughs> that makes sense as a South African. It does make sense. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, no basketball in South Africa that I was aware of. And uh, Looney Tunes, hello. This was just a really fun one and just really weird. And I actually forgot for the longest time that not only does it have michael jordan in it but it also has bill murray and that's that's another favorite of mine yeah yeah and space jam is making a comeback actually uh there's a kind of a resurgence and i don't know if it's nostalgia or popularity but people are really loving the space jam i mean when you're a kid that was a good song what's a song the space jam song oh god i don't remember that oh god it was playing freaking everywhere and the i believe i can fly oh good god yeah oh my gosh i don't have to hear that again right but the space jam song was pretty fun very good very good my next favorite film is kind of a, a guilty pleasure so to speak it is from the early 90s it's called necessary roughness it is the the football comedy that stars Scott Bakula, Hector Elizondo, Robert Loggia, Kathy Ireland, Sinbad, and many more. Uh, Larry Miller, of course, playing his slimy self. This is a goofy, fun, uh, underdog uh, sports film about a college team that's trying to save their program and you know are they going to have a successful season are they not is their 40 something quarterback going to qualify and be able to stay in school and stick with the team and uh regain his glory days i suppose the way i'm describing it makes it more sound more sad and pathetic but trust me it's a fun film scott bakula is stepping away from quantum leap at that time and he's having a little fun Everybody in this film is clearly having fun. Hector Elizondo has a dry wit to him. He's hilarious. Love this film. It's a blast. Necessary Roughness is the name. It's available on Amazon Prime. My number seven is Dodgeball. This is stupid. I thought you didn't like this movie. Stupid film. I can't believe this is on your list. But it's shiny and weird. So there it is. Yes. (laughs) And I haven't seen a lot of sport films and uh essentially guys for anyone who doesn't know it's a group of misfits who enter a las vegas dodgeball tournament to try and save their little gym you know it's funny how you said that you look for a film that actually shows you what the sport is like and your last two is space jam 
and dodgeball. <laughs> I did say that it's sprinkled in like some weird ones. Okay. There's fair only enough. so much I can do. I wanted to watch other sport films, but there just was not enough time for this list. I just can't believe that dodgeball's on, on your list and not mine. My there next it is. My next film is Cool Runnings. That's right, it is the preeminent bobsledding movie <laughs> about the famous Jamaican bobsled team from what was it the late 80s early 90s who famously for those who are old enough to remember uh, crashed and walked their bobsled across the finish line oh wow um it's about of course their training and led in this film by John Candy who talks them into the sport in the first place it's one of John Candy's last roles, and certainly one of his last good roles. And he's quite enjoyable. The team is quite enjoyable. Uh, it's a it's a kind of a who's who of where are they now at this point, I believe. But it is a good film, is great family film, an inspiring story, and quite silly as well. That is Cool Runnings as my seventh favorite film. My number six is A League of Their Own. A fascinating look into the American story of women in baseball. You've got Gina Davis, you've got Tom Hanks, Laura Pe- Lori Petty, Madonna, Rosie O'Donnell. And I'm sure we're going to hear more about this film in just a little bit from Jeff. I don't know what makes you think that. Oh, God, I just I don't know you at all. <laughs> it's fascinating. So my next film, as we are now in the halfway mark, is... The Karate Kid. Now we are in our top six, so we are in my absolute cream of the crop favorite of the favoritists, and Karate Kid certainly kicks that off uh, for sure. This is the iconic film starring Ralph Macchio and Pat Morita as Daniel Son and Mr. Miyagi. Never to be beat, this original. Um, This is the martial arts or karate film. To beat all martial arts and karate films. Sorry, Bruce Lee fans. Of course, about the young teenager who's struggling with his new school that he just moved to. He has a rough time with the school bullies, who of course are a part of a karate dojo called the Black... What is it? The King Cobras, if I remember correctly? Yeah. Cobra Kai. Sorry, Cobra Kai. I don't know how I could forget well, that. Well, I was trying to, like, Dodgeball has Cobras, too. <clears throat> yeah, Cobra Kai. And, of course, he learns to defend himself and actually be a contender in, actually, Karate Match. So, great film. Still holds up. Love it today. It is my sixth favorite sports film. Shanna, what's your fifth? My fifth is Battle of the Sexes. Those sport movies that show great athletes that did exist, the true stories, but also something that was changed because of them. Emma Stone is amazing, and mm-hmm. Steve Carell is as awful as I think he is in real life. Oh, he snap! Probably, he probably isn't. I just, I can't stand, you know, there's actors whose faces I can't stand, and his is one of them. Holy shit. I can't st- <laughs> I feel like he's just always this bad, sleazy guy, and this just riled me up seeing him in this film but it also felt like it it suited him with my perspective on him okay this is the true story of the 1973 tennis match between number one billy jean ken and ex-champ and 
he was a serial hustler, Bobby Riggs. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love you, Steve Carell. I'm sorry. Ugh. That actually almost made my list, too. That's a really good pick. Ah, good. My next film is Creed. Yes, it is officially my favorite Rocky film. <laughs> this film is one of my favorites from 2015. It is one of the most rousing films I have seen in recent history. It is one of those things that's just so well directed that it wants me to get off my feet and cheer. It is also a very moving film. As one of Sylvester Stallone's best performances, I feel he was robbed of the Oscar of Best Supporting Actor. This was his opportunity to win that damn trophy, and honestly, I think he should have gotten it. He is very well deserving in this film. I, I, I just, I will, I will, if given opportunity, heap upon praise on this film for the next hour. So you better <laughs> shut me up and move on to your fourth favorite film, Shanna. Wow. My number four is I, Tonya. Oh, it is. Okay. I knew this had to be on your list. <laughs> yes. The competitive ice skater, Tonya Harding, who rises to be one of the top ranking figure skaters in uh, U.S. figure skating championships. Yep. Uh, however, as she is getting close to the Olympics, her ex-husband decides to take matters into his own hands yeah. and completely crushes her world. That bastard. That disgusting dick. So, Men suck. Oh, they're disgusting. So I love the camera work. Uh, the way they showed what the sport required is definitely something that they achieved here. And the commitment and passion are portrayed very well here. I mean, this is, they couldn't have picked a, a better person. Margot Robbie is awesome. Mm. And how they're showing how she had to make everything herself because that was all oh, she yeah. could afford. Oh, yeah, the costume, yeah. Yeah, and um, how her mother, you know, Allison Janney. Yeah, that was great too. Disgustingly evil. But what a great performance. Yeah. Uh, did she win? I think she might have lost to... Um, the performance from Lady Bird, if I remember correctly. She might have won, actually. I might be full of shit. I think we're just going to have a look at that quickly. But, I mean, what a uh, bitch of a mother, but innovative as hell when the coach was saying, you need to get her a fur coat. And so the husband went and, you know, hunted a few animals, and that's how she made the fur coat for oh her child. Oh, my God. You know, she made it fucking work. Both these women made it freaking work. Yeah. So, And it looks like Alison Janney did win her performance as best supporting actress in oh. that role. There you go. So, for my next film, my number four, my fourth favorite sports film, it is Field of Dreams from 1989, starring Kevin Costner, James Earl Jones, Burt Lancaster in his final film role. Gabby Hoffman, a very young Gabby Hoffman, who would go on to Sleepless in Seattle and other films and TV shows, <clears throat> and a whole lot more. So I love this film. It's about more than just baseball. You know, it's the whole, if you build it, they will come. Or if you build it, he will come. That's, I thought I'd get that wrong. Who is he in question? This is, this is a very moving film, and a very fun film, too. A delightful film, and... 
God damn it, if you don't if you're not a fan of baseball, you will be for about two hours, you know, when you watch this film. Uh, it, it just it just wraps itself up in in like a in, in baseball like a warm blanket and just is so <laughs> comforted by hmm. that sport, you know? And there are I don't know, is there a better baseball film than this one? Some people think so. I do not. Well, there is one other, but we might talk about that in a minute. It's it's my fourth favorite sports film, however, and my favorite Kevin Costner film, I think. Good Next choice. to Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Oh, yeah, that's good. Um, go ahead, Could that Betty. count? Autry? No! <laughs> I had to try. So, What's the, your third favorite film? Number three for me is Bandit Like Beckham, available to watch on Hulu. That's my number three. That's oh, my number three. Well, great. That's my number three. Okay, well, I'll just talk briefly because I know it's like really one of your ultimate favorite films. Oh, go right ahead. It's it's such a fun film. It's by Gorinda Chada, uh, who we are absolutely in love with. I... I love a story where girls are figuring out what makes them happy and going after it and confronting their family about it too when they eventually get to that point. She is the daughter of an orthodox Sikh who rebels against her parents, traditionalism, and joins a football team. And man, is it fun. Yeah, it is exactly that. It, it is a lot of fun. And I go back, I think it's the... Okay, we've talked a lot about Corona Chada in previous episodes, right? We know yes. this. In our 2004 Film Faves episode, we talked about Pride and, Bride and Prejudice. In our 2002, I think, Film Faves episode, we talked about this film. I feel like this is the better film between her, this and Pride and Prejudice, but I think both those movies are peak Gurinder Chada films. Yes. <clears throat> I don't think she's uh, she has yet to measure up to those two films. And, and while I might love Bride and Prejudice more, Bennett Black Beckham is the better film. Kira Knightley is great in this film. Uh, who's the co-star co in that film? Parmen Anagra, the main, the, the star of the film, actually, is great in it. Uh, I love exactly the same reasons that you did. The, the, family, the familial dynamics, the... The Indian flavor of the film. You know, it's just a shame these kinds of movies don't take off as well in the States. I wish that we would embrace films like Bennett, like Beckham uh, more because, damn it, they're so good. They're so good. And we need the, that, the different flavors of the different cultures, uh, too, a little more in uh, our country. I love it. I'm almost always in a, in a good mood to, when I see it and almost always in a mood and down to watch it. So it's my third favorite sports film as well. Shanna, what is your second favorite sports film of all time? My second favorite sports film of all time is Creed. Oh, yes. Really high up there. <laughs> I love this film so much. I think I, I love the second one more. But this was beautiful and funny and glorious and special. And mm -hmm. I love the contrasts between Creed and the first Rocky film. Mm -hmm. And it's hard for me to watch Sylvester Stallone. But in this one, I really liked watching him. I like, know, right? I really liked discovering more of the Rocky character as well, like how mm -hmm. much of a good guy he is. I mean, like, 
he's got Adonis at the dinner table with him as well as the, uh, the girlfriend mm-hmm. at yep. the time Gosh. Tessa Thompson Tessa mm-hmm. Thompson yep. so Bianca is the, the character he says and how lucky am I to know the two of you mm-hmm. and it's like how often do you hear people say that it's just so sweet yeah what is your yeah. number two of all time you're gonna hate me for this oh god but it it's is fucking Jerry Maguire it's fucking Jerry Maguire it's Jerry Maguire it's Jerry Maguire. Oh my god. Shanna, I just have ah! three words for no. you. Show me the money. <laughs> yes, it's Jerry Maguire, available on Amazon Prime and Hulu. I almost always say it's my favorite Cameron Crowe film, but it's actually my second favorite because Almost Famous is so dear to my heart. But it is definitely one of Cameron Crowe's best films regardless. It's one of Tom Cruise's best performances regardless. Renee Zellweger was never as good as she was in Jerry Maguire. Neither was Cuba Gooding Jr. It is also not only a great sports film, um, a great football film, but also a great romantic drama, a great entrepreneur film. There's so many different ways you could take Jerry Maguire, I love it. It is close to a masterpiece, I think, actually. So, yes, Shanna, it is my second favorite <laughs> sports film. It's like your favorite film of all time. No, 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 oh no. That, no, no, no. Pish posh, no. <laughs> hey, it did, posh, it my wasn't bad. my favorite um, 90s film in the last episode. Yes, what was it? I don't know, but did it this, wasn't Jerry did Maguire. Did take second place? That's probably what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have it in front of me. My favorite movie of the 90s. Uh, oh, yeah, it was my favorite movie of the 90s. Never mind. Oh, wow. Well, look at that. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> anyway. Shanna, yeah. what is your favorite sports film of all time? It is Jerry Maguire. No, I'm just fucking with you. I was going to say, <laughs> you would not give me so much shit for it to be your number one. Well, oh come my on. god, that doesn't even exist on my list. Because I know you just like, 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 just rave all about it. Anyway, that was fun though. My number one sports film of all time is Field of Dreams. Oh, of course. <laughs> I should have seen this coming. This is the film that shows the power sport can have over a family, helping a family bond, helping a family heal. Uh, No matter the barriers that exist, this sport in this film helps with all those things. Uh, It's such a great cast too. My favorite line, which you've just spoken about uh, earlier, my favorite line is rules. There are no rules here by James uh, Earl Jones. Jones. And also it's a great film to watch if you love the law of attraction. Mm. it's it's just it's so feel good it's so different it almost feels like it's like ahead of its time but it's it's not it's just simply a story of healing and trying to be in that state of joy and uh you know the whole if you build it it will come well it will come yeah well (laughs) it's so great it's so special uh it also shows the the value this particular sport has in this particular country yeah all all dads want to play catch all sons want to play catch and you know you do have daughters that want to play catch too and yeah. certainly moms too but it's it's stereotypical stereotypically depicted as a father-son thing is what i'm saying 
despite ending with a down note, you do um, inspire me to want to watch the film right now. Because I think otherwise that's very well said about me. It's a great film. Well, I think it's also healing beyond the family. I mean, you've even got the, the Chicago White Sox. Aren't they the ones that got disqualified? Yeah, um, yeah. It makes so it... it becomes a healing place for them, too. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, Ray Liotta heads up the, the cast of ball players, but of course, a great double feature is Eight Men Out and Field of Dreams because then mm-hmm. you get to learn about that team and then you have them in the afterlife. Yeah, it's, it's quite magic. So funny, and they're all just there to have a great time because yeah. they're like, oh my god, we get to play again. It's kind of like the happy ending. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, we should move on. Moving on very quickly here. Yeah. My favorite film is a baseball film, uh, not a football film, which shouldn't come as any surprise because uh, when you see 21 movies about that particular sport, it is more likely to be one of your favorites. It is a film that I have talked about in a handful of different episodes. It is my f- one of my favorite F-rated films favorite almost triple f rated films actually my favorite penny marshall film my favorite gina davis film and one of my favorite tom hanks films it is a league of their own about the professional women's baseball league that existed primarily during world war ii when all the men were drafted to fight the good fight and the women had to leave their homes and take their place. No, I, seriously, it's it's while it is a, a great comedy drama, the drama in it, it actually is very often very moving. You know, there's there's a, a scene where the father of one of the girls that uh, John Lovitz's character is recruiting, you know, he's rejecting the girl because she doesn't look pretty. And the father just comes to him and says, look, like, she didn't she wasn't raised a girl and that's all that's all my fault you know but please like this is she loves this please don't take that away from her and it's so moving you know it is one is it's incredibly touching that those 10 to 20 seconds of that movie you know when there's a scene when one of the girls they're all in the locker room and some dopey ass telegram guy comes to bring to deliver a telegram to let one of the girls know that their husband has died in the war and he's about to walk out without delivering the message because of some technicality or whatever meanwhile getting these girls all worked up of the tension of who is is it my husband you know, uh, having that message finally delivered to one of the girls is just really devastating, you know? So there's genuinely moving moments in this movie, while also <laughs> genuinely delightful moments in this movie, like when Rosie O'Donnell and Madonna first meet Gina Davis's characters, you know? And, and you know, hell, um, Rosie O'Donnell and Madonna are great comic relief in this film. And, of course, there's that shit of a kid who's running around being a total noisy ass brat you know but it's a great historical drama i absolutely love the film i wish it was more readily accessible on on, to stream 
It's, I think, one you can rent on Amazon or purchase over Amazon. It's worth the purchase, it's, guys. Go yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I absolutely love it. It's no secret. A League of Their Own, my favorite sports movie of all time. But what are your favorite sports films? Email us at thegibsonreview at gmail.com. That'll about do it for us in this episode of The Movie Lovers. Shanna, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Instagram at Shanna underscore Paxton. S-H-A-N-N-A underscore P-A-X-T-O-N. See you later. Very cool. And you can go to thegibsonreview.com to find past articles, past episodes, past all the things, past film faves articles, if you want to look through there. You can go to Facebook slash The Gibson Review for various links, uh, mini reviews, which are occasional at this point, but also third-party links, too, to art movie-related articles that are interesting. And go to the uh, flick chart, The Gibson 99, to find me and all the movies that I've seen and draw from for these lists uh, on there. Next time on The Movie Lovers, what we're going to do is kind of a 2018 catch-up. Um, we may or may not even have a week in review. It just kind of depends on what we end up watching between now and the next episode. But we'll probably end up doing reviews of a small handful of 2018 films to try to catch up with the end of the year all the films that seem significant and are worth watching at the end of the year here we have quite a lineup of movies to try to catch there's aquaman spider-man into the universe into the what is it multiverse or something i don't know mm-hmm. there's a few dramas that we're trying to catch up with there's wreck it ralph 2 ralph breaks the internet so um there's widows We'll see what movies we end up kind of collecting and discussing. Hopefully give good enough time for each of those movies. But that will be our focus. And I think we will, because of that, possibly even forego a film phase as a result. But we'll see what that looks like. Keep tabs on that. Uh, That will be available just after... No, that will be available on Christmas Day. So that'll be a lovely little treat for (laughs) y'all. Until then, keep loving the movies. This is Jeff and Shanna saying... Bye-bye.